Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity. Alrighty, folks. Joe Snedeker here. You're a Mr. Curiosity podcast. And uh, we got a special guest today who, again, is a friend, a colleague, a chum, uh, a co-worker. He's all those things. But before we get to uh, Chris Keating, I want to let everyone know, you know, this podcast is uh, grown over the years. And sooner or later, I'm going to run out of people to interview. So that's why I need you, the people. If you have anyone, you know, you know, that person who runs the business or your cousin hangs out with this person or that person who did this, you got to fill in all the blanks. And if you have an important uh, suggestion for me, email me. What the heck? I'd love to do this with uh, some of the people out there. Joe.Snedeker at WNEP.com. Now, Forget about that, because we have a rock star with us today. It's Mr. Chris Keating. What do you say, big guy? Me? You're talking about me? I'm the rock star? Oh, don't man. Do that. Don't do that humble look away thing. Come on. Uh, I have to. I have to. No, I appreciate this. I, I mean, I, I, like you were talking about, almost every WNEP employee has been on this. It's almost like a... No, like no, a, not almost. I'd say we're not even probably a third really? of the way through. I've been well, saving you for last, but I had an opening and I'm thinking I got to use I got to use my big weapons while I have them. Well, I'm absolutely honored. It's like a, it's like a plaque I can hang up on my wall. It's like a uh, like a, a fake plaque. I can say made it on Mr. Curiosity. So, I, you know, it's an achievement. I'll put it on my resume one day. Don't you mock me or I'm going to hit the stop button right now. OK. Oh, I mock you all the time. It's what we do on Go Joe. You love it. Don't yeah, lie. Right. You're, all right. So that's a, part, that's a part of our story together because what a lot of folks don't realize, WNEP, we work together, but I say we work together. Employees at WNEP are seen and assumed to be working together, and some of us never see each other. For example, those who work the evening shift, I never see. I come in at 4 in the morning. I'm done before noon. They come in in the afternoon. I don't know them. And then people like you make it even worse because they ship you two hours west of me. When do we see each other? I see you for one week of the year. Uh, I and know. That's that's pretty much, and that's pretty much it. I think, Joe, that station, that backyard that you work out of every morning, I could probably count on my two hands how many times I've stepped foot in that building. And I've been working here for approaching four years now. So it's, uh, it's crazy because we – Everyone thinks at home, oh, they must see each other all the time. No, no. It, hardly. I hear your phone. I, when I call you and like, Joe, hey, I'm doing a weather story. Could you tell me what the snowfall is going to look like? And that's, that's, our, that's our conversation for maybe about three months. And then I talk to you again somehow. Yeah. And I have to admit this. I'm Before we get into your life arc, I have to admit this. I'm purging. It feels like I'm in. I'm at confession now. And, uh, you know, I was grown, brought up a Catholic boy and there's the there's the curtain in front of me and you're the priest on the other side. <laughs> Years ago, when they first said Chris Keating is going to do the Gojo bike ride with you, I remember thinking, oh, no, I don't even know him. I don't know what he's going to be like. Can't you get somebody else? I may have thought that. I don't know if I said that. Uh, because I didn't know you. You were some new guy and thinking he's not going to get it. He doesn't know me. I don't know him. Give me someone I know, someone I can relate to. And then it turned out to be a blessing and I loved you. And now we're buddies. Oh, Likewise. Hey, uh, they told me, hey, uh, you're going to go do a bike ride with this crazy weatherman uh, that doesn't stop talking. And I was like, all right, we'll see how that goes. Uh, how yeah. long? How long are we spending with each other each day? Oh, about 15, 16 hours. 
I'm like, okay, that sounds fantastic. Uh, but like you said, I think from day one of the Gojo in 2021, you and I hit it off. I mean, we kind yeah. of, our personalities gelled off of each other. Um, neither of us are a stick in the mud. As many people know, you're not a stick in the mud. I needed to counteract that with my own personality. And I think we yeah. kind of rolled off each other. And uh, ever since then, uh, it's been great. Uh, last year, we raised uh, over a million dollars for St. Yep. Joe's. Uh, and so it's it's been great. It's been great. I consider yeah, you one no, of my uh, best friends. Oh, I love it. Yeah. There's no uh, stuck. Uh, there's no stick stuck up your rear end. That's what I like about you. <laughs> Which means you were brought up in the correct way. So we got to rewind the tape. We're going back to the year that you emerged from your mother's private parts. What year are we talking here? Because I'm old enough to be your father. Oh, uh, let's see. What year did you start at WNEP? I started at WNEP part-time in 1993. Okay, so about three years after that, I saw the world for the first time. Whoa, so wow. So 1996 is the year of your birth. Yes, sir. Year of the rat, if you're thinking Chinese zodiac symbols. All right, you are kind of rat-like, but I'm trying to think. So 1993, I'm going back. 1993, iPhone came out in like 08, no, 03. So you were one of the last of the... Uh, what generation are you? You're Gen Y, Z? Every y? time I ask that question, somebody tells me I'm in a different generation because I'm like right on the cut line of, uh, I think, oh. X and uh, a millennial. I don't know. I, I don't know. what it's. I'm right on the cut yeah. line of whatever that is right there. So I kind of balance back and forth. I've been told that I'm a, uh, I'm a 40-year-old man in a 26-year-old body. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. I think you're millennial. I think maybe you are. I think you're a millennial kid. And you, every generation has its his its attributes and, oh, they're this, they're that. Of course, it's a crude stereotype. So you are what you are. But my point, I guess, is this, because being um, an educator my whole life, high school, college, I've seen the change over the years. And I can say to you, and I hope I'm not offending any young people listening, you were brought up before cell phones hit, social media preoccupation, you just made it. Joe, I I'll tell you this. If I could take this cell phone in my pocket and go to the Susquehanna River and chuck this thing 40 yards, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I need it for my job. But if I could, I would do it in a heartbeat and I wouldn't think twice about it. That's that's isn't where it, my mindset is. I would not think about it. Isn't it both a wonderful and horrific thing? Oh my gosh it, it, it is so useful in so many ways and at the yeah. same time it scares the living daylights out of me uh, i don't think there's yeah. anything else in my life that's like that i know believe me for guys my age or even your age a little bit older your whole life you didn't really worry about what other people thought you did your thing you went about your life some people are going to like you some people are going to hate you now since wnep made me have a facebook um account and I have to post because I'm a member of the public and they want to see that. Now I post something. It could be me walking the dog. It could be, oh, look at the snow I got. I hate snow. It could be me riding a bike. And then like a like a nine-year-old child, I'm like, oh, let's see what people thought about that. Oh, let me see your comments. And I hate it. I don't want to read comments. I don't care what anyone thinks. How could I change this? Are you like this? And it's even worse for people who are 13, 14, 20. It's got to be horrible for them. 
when it comes to like comments stuff on the internet i kind of uh i it's funny i want to take this back i work in news i'm a reporter i don't even have cable at my house like that's how set back i am like i it's like i I didn't know this i didn't know this yeah i don't even have cable i you know it's uh it's to those one of those things where with my cell phone like if i post something it's gone. Like I'm not looking at it again. It's 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 That's by the, the best way. approach to do. That's the best yeah. approach to do. But my, I guess my point is, you grew up at a time where still, when you were in high school and middle school, cell phones were not out, or, or they were just starting. Correct. So they they were out. Um, people had them. I mean, in middle school, my first phone ever, um, because all my friends were getting. Uh, it was before iPhones. They were all getting these things called razors or envies. Razors. I had the razor, yeah. the flip. Oh, yeah. Razors or envies were what everyone had. And I was like, Mom, Dad, can I please get a cell phone? And this is what I got. I got this little green phone called an Amigo that looked like it had ears. Not joking. And it called four people and 911. That's it. It had five buttons on it. And it was about this big. It was about the size of a – it was smaller than – I don't even know what to compare it to. It was almost like a couple of coins. As That's how big the phone was. Um, and it called like that. four people. And uh, they were like, here, here's your cell phone. And I'm like, I can't even text on this thing. So <laughs> Just that's case there's an emergency, right? Of course, of course, yeah. Now my, my parents listen to this. be like, oh, you got a phone later in middle school. And I'm like, yeah, I did. But um, yeah. I, 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 wasn't, I was never big into – and my girlfriend will tell you this too. I'm not big into texting. I'm like, I need to, if I'm talking to you, call me, call me, shoot me a FaceTime. I cannot sit there and just text. I just cannot do it. It bothers me and I'm not good at it. I just don't like doing it. Well, that's rare. I think for most people, because there's this meme out there, it says ways to contact me. And it's, uh, you know, like smoke signals, text, Letters, letters written in sand on a beach, and last on the list, way in the bottom, is call. Because most people, they don't want to be bothered now. They want all these indirect means of communication and not call. And you're saying you are a touchy feely, cally kind of guy. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think if, uh, to be honest with you, if if you're texting me, I'm not really good at reading sarcasm. I can't do it. I can't read emotion. So I want to hear oh, your voice. Yeah, that's how I am. And you know, I, I, it's more personal. Uh, now, okay. If there's you have a quick question, or uh, if work wants to tell me to go to um, a story shoot, okay, shoot me a text. But as yeah, far as like a right, full blown right. conversation, no, give me a call. Let's talk about it. I love it. All right, so we're gonna go back to 1996 because my son, that's why I can relate to you, was born in 1997. So, like I said, I'm your dad's generation. You could be my son. You were born in 1996. Your parents, I believe, restaurant owners. Who would have known this? Where are you? How do you end up at WNEP? Let's go back to fetus and then birth you. Wow. Okay. Let's uh, let's take this back a um, couple of years. Let's take it back even before I was born. So we're going to rewind to the rewind. Um, oh, my goodness. So my dad, uh, my dad was actually born in Dunmore, believe it or not. He's born in Dunmore. So it's kind of like a full circle thing. Uh, he was born in Dunmore. He has family still in Old Forge, but when he was younger, he moved to New Jersey. My mom's from way, way upstate New York, like think Lake Placid, even north of there. So like by well, Canada. Wait, stop right there. Stop right there. Why did your dad leave Dunmore? And what age was he? He was like, I think like six or seven. He was young. He was young. He oh, was, he young. was a young kid. Yeah. Yeah, his parents moved, yeah. His parents moved to Jersey. Um, so they moved to Jersey. 
Um, they grew up on their own. And then my mom and my dad both went to a small, tiny, tiny college in upstate New York called Paul Smith's. And my dad went there for culinary. My mom went there to be a travel agent. Um, that's what she was studying. And my dad's degree there was two years. And they met each other there at college and they hit it off, fell in love with each other. You know how the whole story goes, yada, yada, yada. And then they ended up, they got married. They moved to Hilton Head, South Carolina. My dad got a job at a hotel as a, a cook. And my mom was working the front desk. And uh, my dad just kept putting out good food and good food and good food. And then a job offer came for him to be a, a major cook at a, uh, a chef at a uh, hotel in Atlanta. So Atlanta, Georgia, that's how we get to G Georgia. So they, they pack their bags up from Hilton Head, South Carolina, go to Atlanta. And my dad is just killing it in the kitchen uh, to the point where uh, this big carpet manufacturer, Milliken, uh, uh, gets a sense of his cooking. And they're like, hey, come be our personal chef at our guest house in LaGrange, Georgia, which is my hometown. And he's like, all right, let's do it. Well, they offered him like three times. He had turned it down multiple times. And then they made a final offer that was too good to refuse. Moved on well, down what do you there. Mean, one time or like a permanent cook for this rich guy? Well, no, not a rich guy. It's a company. So it'd be, so they had like a, their, their, um, their plant was based in LaGrange, Georgia, but they had a, a guest house down there that was like near the country club. And so every time they had an event or someone came to stay at the guest house or like somebody uh, fancy smancy or something like that, he would be there to cook for them or to cook for their events and stuff like that. But they, so they wanted him to be that like his full time job. Yes. And it was his full time job. He's making a good wage doing it. Whoa, whoa yeah. fancy, fancy. And then um, as we're settled in LaGrange, Georgia, um, that job comes to an end. And my dad is constantly thinking so is my mom so i'll say this right now they own a restaurant together uh but i'll come back to this story my dad's the brains in the kitchen he's cooking but my mom is running everything behind the scenes making the phone calls setting everything up the two of them are yin and yang they don't survive without each other um but yeah so let's get back to that when i say he's a crazy chef I mean it. Like I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not joking. Like uh, you watch the Food Network, and you, you can point out Bobby Flay or all those guys. My dad would smoke them. He would smoke them. And I'll tell you, he, he, uh, not many people know this. There is like, actually. What do you mean, wait, 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 wait. So he'd smoke them with the result, or actually the act of like, is he charismatic? Is he got a gimmick? Is he, is he making faces? Is he spinning around? What's he doing? In every facet, he would, he would, yeah. if you put, him in, you put him in a cooking competition, maybe I'm biased, who knows, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about his accolades and I'll let you make the decision. All right, uh, many, all right. many people don't know this, but there is a culinary Olympics that happens um, every four years, the same way you have the summer and the winter Olympics. He yeah, competed yeah. multiple times for Team USA, multiple time gold medal winner. We traveled over to Europe for weeks at a time and competed in these Olympics in hot and cold food. And he would crush it over there. And his food was fantastic. And, uh, he would win medals. And like I said, he, he's not, he is a, he, my dad's a corny guy. Trust me. He's a corny guy. If you got to meet him, but when it comes to being in the kitchen, he's a rock star. And my mom's also a rock star from the point where she can keep him at bay and she can kind of run everything that you don't see happening. Uh, but right now, 
they have their own restaurant in Columbus, Georgia. It's near Fort Benning, the big army base down there. It's called Epic, and it's named after the oldest cookbook known to mankind called the Epicurean. And it's all about one big story. So every time they want you Epicurean to go into their restaurant. Epic. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Every time you go into the restaurant, they want you leaving like you just were in a story. And they want it to be. How many times do you go to a restaurant, Joe, and you walk in, you eat, and then uh, you never really think twice about it? Right. But what I'm wondering now is this borderline. Don't be offended because I have the bell here. You can just say, Snedeker, shut up. Is this Snedeker, You can throw that thing away. Throw it away. I don't need it. <laughs> okay, throw good. It no, you don't, I can't it. offend you. I love it. No, but Toss is this borderline pretentious, though? That's what I'm wondering about. Pretentious how so? Are, are they taking... Is it high society? Take yourself too seriously. Uh, look at how good my food is. I'm better than no. you. I'm snooty, no. snooty. No, it's never been that way. No, my 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 mom and my dad's main goal is to introduce people to new foods that they've never had before and they've never tried right. before. If you ask my mom, my mom came from a small town in upstate New York. She never tried any of this food before she met my dad. She never did. My dad started off as a, a dish boy at a moose lodge when he was younger. Like they didn't have any of this stuff. So when he learned all this and he has all this knowledge, he wants to share it with other people. It's not in the sense of look at me. It's look a passion. At me. Yeah, sure. Yeah. There's a, there's awards and accolades that come with it, but that's with anything. And he deserves those. And she does too. But it's, it's not like, Hey, take a look at me. This is what I'm doing. It's more so like, Hey, come over here and try this. You might like it. You might not like it. And that's kind of his philosophy. I got it. But let's not diverge from the arc of Chris Keating. I got oh. it. Your parents, how they met. I love it. This is the good and important backstory. There's a restaurant. How old are they or you when all this is happening? Are you born yet? So the restaurant. He's, still working, in, he's working in Atlanta for the rich guys. That's where I left off. Are you on, on the planet yet? I was born uh, when he was working in Atlanta at the hotel. That's when I was born. So that was 1996. And then a year after that is when he accepted the job in the Grange. And so you don't. So you have no memories of any of this. Oh, no. It's all goo goo gaga in my head. If you ask me about that. It's all all crawling around. So the by, by the time you're conscious and you're in kindergarten and into early elementary school, they already have an established restaurant. So uh, at that point, he was doing the, the guest house thing in LaGrange. So he oh, in, okay. in Atlanta was where he was at the hotel. And then uh, that's when I was born. And then about a year later, we moved to my town, LaGrange. And that's when he was doing the guest house work. Uh, in 2004, he started his own catering company. And that's when he stopped at the guest house. And then in um, 2012, I'm trying to get the dates right here. I don't want the or no, wait, 2012. Yes. That's when the restaurant opened. So at that point, oh. I was already 16, 16 or so. Yeah, 16 years old, 15, 16. And I've been working. So, and that's what a lot of people don't know is since about age 8, 9, 10, 11, I've been working in the food industry for – and they're long days. Because, yeah, we were – it was a catering business before the restaurant. And they're long days. They're like you get up at crack of dawn drive down to Columbus, you're setting up an event at like 9, 10 a.m. Uh, and you're, you're you're carrying around little burners and trays and, and, and all these utensils, and you, you're the guy doing all that? Doing all that. And then when I got old enough, I started. I was able to bartend and waiter. But for the most part, when I was young, young, my dad would stick myself and my brothers and some of my friends when they worked 
in the back and we were scraping dishes. Like I'm talking all the nasty stuff, just scraping them for hours. This is why, this is why you're a good grounded guy. So, so any siblings? I have three siblings. I'm the oldest. So I have, you're the uh, oldest. I have two younger brothers and a younger sister. They're doing this restaurant touring. They're 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 business people. They're having three, four kids all within a few years. This is a whirlwind of life that you're thrown into. Yes, and I commend them for everything. I don't know how they did it, especially with my siblings and I. We were absolute rascals, um, uh, just all the time. I mean, just the, the, we all got along. We still get to get along today, but. I don't know how my mom and dad did it. We uh, three, the three first kids they had, all boys, all within like a year or two of each other. Yeah, they know we this crazy talk. So, so you, we'll get to this obviously soon. You don't go, which I think is already rare, into the restaurant business. Are your siblings? Are they getting? You know from the start that oh, they, they're more interested than this. I am not. So, uh, my dad always had a saying growing up. Uh, he loves cooking. And he saw all of us help out and work and everything like that. But the restaurant industry and the food industry is so tough. And he grew up, he goes, I'm doing this so you don't have to. So we none of us had to do that. So we could pursue our own dreams. Since I was a young kid, I always wanted to be the guy on ESPN. And that's what they always pushed me towards. They always had my back and my dad would always support that. As long as I came and helped at the restaurant. But uh, no, he never wanted us to have a life in that because of how challenging and tough it is and we saw him struggle with it uh obviously there's ups and downs with everything but my mom and my dad have always told us to pursue what we want to do and uh, no it's funny i i'm here as a reporter my brother nick works for a bank um in their uh high up in their department and my brother jack is going to school to be a nurse and my sister katie is going to school to be a teacher just like yourself Oh my goodness. This is so the, I think that's a little unusual that no one went into it. And I will say this as a guy, remember from, from your dad's generation, cause I have a lot of buddies who span the gamut of careers. And it's funny how this is how life is. I don't know anyone when they get to their end of their career, you know, as you can say, I'm getting close to the end of my career. I'm in my fifties. I don't know anyone who then tells their children, do this. And I have friends who are doctors, lawyers, teachers, restaurant owners, you name it. There's not a one parent who is saying, you should do this. It's almost like the opposite. I, I wonder if anyone in their career gets to a point where they think, I don't want anyone else to do this, even though they like it. I wonder what that is about human nature. Yeah, it's, he, he's been you like get that. Cynical, maybe you just get cynical no matter what you do. I, I well, I think we all saw uh, my parents grow uh, as we were growing up. Uh, we were all playing sports. We were doing things with our friends. We were also helping at the restaurant. But when we were there and helping with the restaurant and the catering business, we saw the long hours. We saw the toll it took on the two of them and the trials and tribulations that they went through. Obviously, like I said, up yeah. and down everywhere. And there's he, no leave. There's when you own a business like that, right? There's no leave your job. It's not like, oh, you close the door at 4 30 and now it's gone. You're always in it. My dad is is probably at his job, which he drives 35 minutes to every day. He's probably there from 7 30, 8 a.m. in the morning to 2 a.m. every day. And he does it every day. I don't believe that's that's hard to believe. I that's swear. A, that's a personal invest. That's unbelievable. 
I swear, because he's there. He he has he. If my dad's not there at the restaurant, people are like, "Where's Jamie Keating?" They want him there. They want him cooking, and and that's the that's the way it has been. And uh, and to kind of bring this back to me, I, I saw that in my dad, and I saw that in my mom, and how for them their biggest thing is pleasing people. Like if you hold, if you're catering someone's wedding, it's the most special day in the world to them. And I take this in life lessons too. If you're doing something for someone else. Go out with a bang. Do it. Make them happy and pe- please people. And I try try to do that. And when I report on stories, obviously, if I'm doing a kind of more of a heartfelt story, this is somebody's story, and you need to treat it that way. And you need to take care of it. And you need to take pride in it. And so they've always taught me from a young age um, to 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 be like that. Whether it's whether I was going into food or if I was going into reporting. See, they never pushed me towards food. But they wanted me to take the lessons that come from working in a restaurant and a catering business and use that to whatever I wanted to do. And that's awesome. So, yeah, congrats to them. Um, so while you were talking and I was listening and I'm thinking about your upbringing in this restaurant business, this is per- probably a, an unfair bias I have. I think whenever someone owns their business, if you own a restaurant, if you own a vacuum cleaner shop, if you own uh, – uh, 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 a TV station, of course, that's a different scenario. But if you own something, I always think you're rich. Could you be honest now and say to me right now that you grew up middle class, upper middle class, lower middle class, high society? You, This must have been a successful business. You must have had some money in the family. When you were 16, you got that new BMW. I mean, I can see you spoiled kid. You're walking around in the... 90s and early 2000s and you got the latest trendy clothes on you're a snobby rich kid what is you know i i go back and forth on this all the time i was very well privileged and in you ask me i was spoiled uh that's just the way my parents were they they wanted to make sure we had everything that they didn't have growing up my my dad had nothing he was working since he was 12 my mom grew up uh, in a family that had she had five other siblings uh the dad was in the air force constantly on the move so they grew up with not as many pleasures and uh gifts of life that we had growing up and so yeah i'll say that uh, i went to a private school in georgia i mean i wouldn't say we were rich by any means not not even close to it but did i grow did you up have impor- did you have imported marble tile no, in your no, bathroom none of that stuff describe your bathroom to me right now describe your bathroom my bathroom growing, oh, up, growing, my, up, growing up your bathroom. My bathroom was probably as big as one of those voiceover booths in uh in the WNEP newsroom. I had a tiny it was, I swear it was a tiny little shower, it was like a little postage stamp. That's where my I was stuck. I in our house there was one room upstairs and it was just mine. And I was just like the 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 kid underneath the um the 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 stairs uh up there. Okay. I lived up there, I had my little bathroom. It was attached to the attic. Um, but what yeah, no, car was, were you, all right. What car were you driving to high school back and forth in? What was the make and model? Here we go. I'm judging you. A Ford Escape. Oh, all right. So maybe you are just a regular old guy then. You weren't yeah. spoiled. You weren't some trendy little, uh, you know, showy kid. I love it. Yeah. I was driving a, a Ford Escape that, uh, my, my parents and I both paid for from working at the age of, I saved a lot of money from working at the age of eight. Uh, to growing up. So that helped me with 
uh, a lot of the things that I wanted to get when I was in high school and stuff like that. See, folks, this Chris Keating is a solid dude. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but I will say, I will say, I was spoiled like no other. Uh, my, uh, that's fair. You can criticize me. Meaning there. what? I, you want? Meaning what? You wanted video games. You got them. You wanted new two hundred dollar sneakers. You got them. Is that what you mean? Stuff like that. What do you mean by yeah. you're spoiled? Yeah, like that. Like if okay. I if if I wanted a video game or if. Uh, uh, we were we had the luxury of going on uh, a lot of family trips together, um, but I would also uh, attribute that to just us having a close, tight knit family. Um, and we still have one today. But yeah, I was I was spoiled. I I'll say that. I mean, I had other pleasures in life that uh, probably other people didn't have. And uh, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about that. All right, I appreciate your honesty. I think yeah. spoiled in a loving way, but not not too excessive. Oh, no, it wasn't like, Mom, Dad, no, if I don't have no. this right now, I'm going to throw a big fit. This is ridiculous. I'm running away. No, it wasn't like that. It was, uh, was kind of like, hey, Mom, Dad, this new pair of shoes just dropped. You know, I've uh, been working pretty hard. Uh, can, you, can you help me out? Like that. Uh, you know, that's how it was. All right. All right. So, so in this private school that you went to, yeah. Is it male only? Was it male female? What kind of private school is this, Mister Hoity Toity? I'm about to blow your mind here. Um, here we go. Uh, it was it was it was male and female. Um, okay. Uh, could you? I want you to guess, Joe, right here, right now, the size of my graduating class. Private school, Georgia Southern Life. The reason you bring that up because it must have been very either really larger than I think or smaller than I think. I'm going to say there were, I'm going to go small. I'm going to say there were 72 students that you graduated with. You're right with small, but it's even smaller. 16 people. No, it wasn't. 16 people I graduated with. Well, now this is borderline creepy. I know, right? A little bit. <laughs> I, I, it was a private school, kindergarten through 12th grade. We shared the hallways with the kindergartners, the first graders, the second graders. They would be in line walking. We'd be walking to our lockers, high-fiving them, stuff like that. There was probably about 200 kids total in the entire school. And uh, Well, now, again, here comes, again, uh, this, is a, this is a discussion we're having. I wonder then if you were deprived of the juicy <laughs> diversity you can get from a lot of people in a public school, all the different types, all different races, all different backgrounds. Now, mm -hmm. if you're in a school, all different intelligence and creativity levels, now you're in a school with 15, 16 elitists. I mean, are you really getting a, are you really getting, are you really getting a nice, well-rounded education of American society? Now I'm wondering about this. So, you know, it was funky. It was weird. I mean, you kind of, you probably have some stories. Anybody with, that went to like a big public high school, which is most people probably have their own yeah. story. Like in my school, you had six guys in my class, 10 girls. So there was a lot of guys that liked the same girls. There was a lot yeah, of drama so from that aspect. It was, it was like, I don't know. It was like a fight. I mean, it was, uh, it was like a, a, a bottleneck. This is a, this is a pure bottleneck. How you, there's no, there's no, cool kids there's no jocks there's no nope. band kids you're with that few you're all the same thing. we didn't even have a football team so there was no <laughs> band to begin with so i mean it was uh that's how it was and, uh, and if 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 there was drama about you around the school everybody <laughs> knew it the teachers the 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 faculty so. the kids in first grade would even come up to you and be like 
did you get in trouble? I'm like, how do you know? So yeah, that's how what Chris did. This is again, the bell is ready. No, I don't need it. Throw that thing away. I told you. Okay. Well, did you have a choice or did they make you do this? Because I can imagine once puberty hits and you're like 12, 13, I'd be like, listen, mom and dad, thanks for, you know, I'm done with this. I want to be with everybody else. I want to go to the other school. I want to go to the public school. I want to meet women. I want to play in the football team. I mean, this is normal 12, 13 year old thoughts. Did they make you go there? No, no. I had a, I, I was probably up until about, I think, eighth grade. Um, they kind of were like, Hey, this is where you're going. But then when I got to eighth grade, they were like, Hey, if you would like to switch, go ahead. We can. And then oh. my siblings, when they were younger, they, they got, they got that decision kind of earlier. They, they handed them, but we all kind of stayed. My sister ended up, my sister was homeschooled. She didn't want to, uh, go to the private school, anything like that. Um, in high school, I was offered that too, but Joe, I'm a five, seven not a good build of a frame and I like playing sports that wasn't happening out of public school. So I was like, you know what? I can play all the sports known to man here. No one will bother. You could be the man. Right? You could yeah. be the man. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like, I was the, I was one of the better baseball players there, but if you put me in the local high school, then I, I don't know if I'm, I'm off the bench, you know? Um, oh, so because, and of I had a bunch number, of- you, because of this low number, you can be the best looking, the smartest and the yeah. most athletic, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got to And to, I will give credit to uh, Lagrange Academy is the school. If anyone wants to Google it, you can look it up on Google. <laughs> okay, right, the right. Size of a postage stamp. Um, but uh, we did. I really did have some good professor uh, teachers. Excuse me there. Uh, that uh, I had a great English teacher, a great science teacher that that challenged you and uh, um, taught me a lot more than I think I would learn in a, a public school. But from the social aspect. I more so got that from working at my dad's catering business and stuff like that. Not obviously with kids, but just how to talk to people. That's why I get, hey, you're a 45-year-old man in a 26-year-old body because most of my social interactions were with adults when I was younger because I, and also, I have some good friends. I, you know, There's um, two guys that I, I graduated school with um, that I still talk to on a daily basis. Um, every day. Shout out Anderson and Daniel. They're two of my best friends. I'm in both of their weddings that are coming up here soon. So um, I will say we, we we did have friends. We did have a social life. And a lot of us were friends with the, the, the couple of public school kids, the public schools that were around in that area. We played rec sports with them growing up and we did things. But as far as uh, day-to-day school life, yeah, we all liked the same girls. We all, everyone knew everyone's yeah. business. The lockers were next to the kindergarten room. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the way it was. So now we have to find out how he then, in Georgia, doesn't know anything about Pennsylvania except that he has grandparents in Dunmore. How do you then say, I'm going to college at Penn State, and then I'm going to get a job Five miles from where my father grew up. How, how does that happen? So well, let's I mean, start with on. let's start with the culture shock. Um, I'm a weird like you. I'm a weird guy. That's safe to say. That's safe to say. That's safe. Hey, no, 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 no. That's bells only for the guests. That's only for the I'm guests. I'm not weird. I'm offended by that. <laughs> um, it's the rest of the world that's weird. I'm not weird. <laughs> I, I always growing up. I always like to be different. And uh, okay. maybe I can pull up uh, and I'll send this to you. Maybe you can use it for your Facebook post. But like, 
the outfits I would wear to school on the first day of school, they'd be these like bright orange, like ugly outfits because they made me stand out. And I liked being that kid. I would shave my head because it was different. <laughs> People didn't expect that from you. Um, but I had family in the North and let's talk about that real quick. That culture shock of going from a graduating class of 16 to a college that has 40,000 people in it was, yeah. uh, was it was, it was fascinating to me. It was different. And I liked that. And it was also in the North, all of the, obviously all of my friends, they ended up going to school in the South. Um, but I wanted to be different. I also like the North. I like all four seasons. Uh, it's way too hot down in Georgia for me. It's too humid. It's gross. And I don't like being overheated. Uh, so I wanted to get away. I knew I had family kind of in New York in, uh, Northeastern Pennsylvania. So I was like, you know what, let's take a shot. And I also liked the journalism program up there. So I said, I applied, got into several schools in the South, but I got into Penn state because my mom was really pushing for me to apply there. And, uh, I got in and then, uh, I started okay, school there. And I'm still paying, uh, still paying, still uh, paying school school loans. Uh, that's still See, going on. Not that spoiled. See, he's not spoiled. If he's still paying his school loans, I love. Oh, it. No, I'm still paying those. So, but the, I think you're being too cavalier about this. Um, okay. I I don't know why you picked Penn State. Do you have to admit it was because you thought, oh, my dad grew up here. I have grandparents here. Was it a little bit of that, or why Penn State? No, I, like I said, I always, uh, I, I really, honestly, I grew up 18 years in Georgia and I, it was nice down there, but I, I just, I don't know, uh, the heat for me, I didn't like. And then when I visited Penn state, I fell in love with the professors that I would have and the campus itself. And I also like the people up here more. And I'll tell you why down in the South, people speak behind phrases. They're like, bless your heart. And oh my God, sweetie. Like, and they're, and they're, they're afraid to tell you how they feel about you. Now, Southern charm is the thing. People are, they'll hold the door open for you. Like my first day at Penn State, I said, yes, man, to the lady who served me breakfast. And she looked like she was going to cut my head off. Like I'm not old. Like, it's just built in. But I like that. Up here, yeah. people don't yes, like that. They'll tell you. They'll tell you they yeah. don't like it. And I love that. I love it. I love it. It's my favorite. I'm pure. Yes. Yeah, honest, pure, great. Yes, yes, yes. Don't, don't hide behind phrases and southern accents and like this and just give yeah. me a bunch of fakey, 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 fakey. Yes, yes, exactly. But I forgot to ask you this. Did you visit or am I overdoing the grandfather thing? Did you visit your grandparents in Dunmore when you were a kid occasionally? You're, you said your dad grew up in Dunmore. My dad grew up in Dunmore, but the whole family moved to New Jersey. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but he has like aunts and uncles and uh, uh, old Forge area, and I went up and saw them and um, a couple, couple times. times. Yeah, a couple That's times. Okay. He also visited my 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 mom's family in upstate New York, and but he, my like my my mom's dad was from Pennsylvania, so there's like a bunch of ties to this area in general. But yeah, we'd come up here, we'd go up to New York a lot in summer and see my my mom's grandma. It could have been. It could have been Syracuse. It could have been SUNY. It could have been Temple. It could have been Pitt. Still Penn State. Why? Not that I'm dissing Penn State, but you just wanted Penn State. Well, I did get into a SUNY school where my grandparents live. Um, that was okay. a serious, and I had a pretty big scholarship to go there. People would call me an idiot for turning that down. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, but no, Syracuse, you mentioned it, was my dream school. It's where I wanted to go. Oh my gosh, all the 
All the big wig journalists go to Syracuse. All you journalists and your Syracuse stuff. Yes, I, know. I know, I know. And then the or the the orange people up there sent me a letter saying I was waitlisted. So I was like, oh, all right, well, whatever. Yeah, I was waitlisted. So that would have like, been it. That would have been it. It it could have been. Yeah, it could have changed. Probably. It could have changed the trajectory of everything, which is crazy yeah. because I got my job at WNEP because of a connection and a professor I had at Penn state. So we have to don't we're on an arc, baby. Don't get to that yet. So you're at at Penn state. I mean, that's a, that's a what? uh, 12 hour drive from, from your homeland. Yeah. You hit it right on the money about 12, 12 and a half hours. That's that's a a bit. What what is that like that day you leave mom, dad, bye. I'm going 12 hours away from you. How does that happen? The first, first day, um, I we they drove up with me, helped me move into my freshman dorm, and it was tough because I'm very, very close to my family. Actually, it's funny. My mom was just here. She was t- driving back from seeing her grand, uh, her parents in New York, and she stopped by for the past two nights. And she left this morning before the podcast, uh, and that was tough because I like seeing her and everything like that. But when they dropped me right. off, I was sad. I was like, wow, this is different. I'm on my own. I don't know a single soul here. Um, until I met so my there was no friend you went with. There was no friend you went with. You just said, I'm going to Penn State. That's it. I just went and did it. I, it was a challenge to myself. Like, hey, can I do this? And uh, can I make friends? Can I? Because like you said, I went to a small school and the, the socially there, it wasn't like a, a, a public school where you had like a million friends and you, you grew up with all these different social ideas and challenges and everything like that. So it was a personal challenge to myself. And, uh, you know, I, my parents dropped me off. I, uh, I was, uh, I wrote my mom a letter. I gave her a letter like, Hey, thank you for everything. And, uh, she sat me like that. And she called me crying. Like, thank you for the letter. I left it in the, um, the glove box, the glove compartment in the car. And, uh, yeah, it was it, the first couple of hours were tough for me. And then I met my college roommates and then we went out <laughs> and then it was history from there. We had a good so- time. So to summarize those two, three, four years, there, it was great. No, no homesick, no second thoughts. Maybe I did the wrong thing. You, you assimilated right in. No problem. My freshman year, there was a, there was, there was. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. There was definitely some homesickness my freshman year. There was uh, never, to the, never to the point where I was fully close to giving up and going back home. But I was homesick. I missed my I missed my folks, and I tried to go home whenever I was able to, um, which was very rarely since I lived twelve hours away and I didn't have a car. When, it, when, it, when it's Christmas break, do you fly home? You to drive home? What do you do? Well, um, cr- freshman year with no car, I flew home. But uh, other times when I had car uh, a car up there throughout the year, sometimes I would drive home, uh, and I would just wow. get a car twelve hours. But after my freshman year, that homesickness kind of went away. Um, not right. because I didn't miss my family. It's because I was kind of getting used to it. I realized, hey, this is the decision you made, and you're happy with it, and uh, you're on a good path, and you need to keep going. And my family was always supportive of that, me going far away and kind of doing my own thing. And we were able to see each other over holidays and kind of put my head to the grindstone. And you know, now I, now I still live in Pennsylvania, and I'm still 13, 12 hours away from them. And uh, everything's going pretty well. There's no growth without pain. That's what you have to realize in life. Exactly. All right. So you're a senior in uh, college, Penn State. You have these good years. Now it's job time. It's uh, 
It's what May of two thousand what seventeen? Uh, Six, I don't know. 19. 19. 19. May of 2019, you got to get a job. What, what's the, what are you doing as you graduate at Penn State in 2019? So the semester before, the fall semester, I took a class called Com 365, 465, excuse me. That was the name of it. And uh, it was like a TV reporting class. It was very basic where they told you how to check out a camera to go shoot your own stories and everything like that. And I had a professor there that taught me that in that class named Bianca Barr former reporter at WNEP. If you guys know who that is, I see your face. If this podcast is anything, it shows us how this world is just all connected and how, how everyone's lives are similar and random and chaotic and luck and determination and risk. This is what's happening. Of course, we know Bianca Barr. Of course, the former WNEP reporter. And she was teaching yeah. in that class and, you know, uh, I had another uh, one of my other good friends in that class. His name is Jeff. He's a reporter today, too. Him and I partnered up and uh, we were good buddies. I'm also in his wedding, too. I have a bunch of weddings to go to now that I'm thinking about it. Um, uh, but we kind of partnered up. And one day after class, we walked up to Bianca because we could tell in the class what kids were actually serious and what kids weren't. And we were serious because we we knew it was our senior year. and We needed to get going. And so um, we walked up to her and asked her for some extra help to see what else we could do. And she saw that in us. And we put in a bunch of just extra work to kind of show her so she could give us her um, criticism review. Obviously, a lot of criticism being a kid in college. We didn't we were raw. We didn't know. Um, but right. she saw that in us and she saw some talent and some skills in me. And then when it came to the, the spring semester, I took a class called Center County Report, which is like a full on newscast. You do. Um, you have a producer. You have two anchors. You have a. You have the weather uh, meteorologist students over at Penn State. They they come in. Uh, you do sports and everything like that. And um, she said, "Take this class. I know the professors in that class. I'll give you a recommendation." Gave me a recommendation. Uh, I crushed it in that class. And then when it came time to looking for a job around April, I got an email from her, um, and it says, "Hey, I sent all your stuff already to." Carl Abraham, the news director at WNEP, he wants your resume and he wants to talk to you. I said, "What?" She goes, "I so did." So she didn't even ask your permission. She, she did you did even it. hint at it? Did you even ever hear of WNEP? No, I had no idea. No, and so I got an email from her saying that she did this, and I was like, "Oh, so okay. she must have been very impressed with you." I, 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 I would, I like to think so. Um, but yeah, I. I, I and she did, I don't know how much she knows this. I tell her every time I see her, I credit her for literally starting my career. Um, but she emailed Carl the, Abraham, the, the old news director at WNEP, sent him my reel, sent him some of my stuff, and said, send him your resume. He wants to talk to you. Carl liked what he saw, scheduled an interview with me um, four days before I graduated. No, I think it was three days. May 1st, he asked me to come in for an interview. I graduated May 4th, and then... May 5th, as I'm driving back to Georgia with my family, the day after I graduated, Carl called me and said, hey, can you start next month? And that's kind of how that started. So this is 2019. This is 2019. Yep. I'd love to see that email. Did you ever see the email that she sent him? I'd love to see what's in it. Like, hey, I have this student who is really smart. He's really aggressive. He's got great potential at the station. I see a future in him. He will be your next reporter. You know, I wonder, wouldn't you love to see that? 
I would love to see it, but I think it's cool knowing there's a mystery out there of what, what it could <laughs> say. And uh, honestly, it, she must have said some really good stuff because I'm here now for almost approaching my fourth year. But yeah, like I said, I, I credit her for pretty much most of uh, my success and accomplishments today and where I'm at. And uh, like I said, I tell a lot of people um, that are coming up through the ranks and trying to be a journalist, it's great to do well in school. It's great to uh, to take your academics seriously and you need to, but building connections and building bridges and forming those connections are so important. So important. Yeah. And you did that starting um, that summer of 2019, you build connections, you get to know people, you get to know the area. Did so I forget, where were you in 2019 that summer? Were you immediately assigned to our Western counties or were you in the studio, in our building rather, for the first few months? So 2019, I start June 17th was my first day and I had to come in there for the first week. I was in the, I was in the building. I was staying at the hotel yeah. right by the station. So right. I was there doing training. I was going out with the reporters to see how they worked and everything like that. Who was and your first reporter you went out with? You remember that? Ali Gallo. Oh, perfect choice, yeah. right? I went out with Ali, and then I went out with Chase Sr. the next day. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, and that's kind of, I got to see different areas of the coverage area. With Ali, I got to see more of kind of the Scranton area. And with Chase, he took me down to the Skook. So that was my first time in Schuylkill County, and that was pretty fun. Um, so, yeah, and that started, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, they sent me out to West out here with Nikki and Tom, Nikki Cries and Tom Durant. And I rode around with them all Thursday. And then Friday, I turned my first story for WNEP. And uh, ever since then, we were working out of the mall, which is now closed. No one, nothing's in the mall now. So it, that was like a fishbowl in there where people could just walk by in the mall and they could knock on the screen. And they yeah, could so we rented out this large facility in the mall where we had our news bureau, right? Correct. And you were, yeah, but when you were hired, were you told you're going to be the Western County reporter or no? I was. Yeah, I, I was hired oh, okay. for uh, Lycoming County, Clinton County kind of position. Oh, okay. So so you, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Were you thinking, A, I'm closer to Penn State, nice, this is my yes. homeland, or B, I'm a part of a station, but I'm kind of disconnected from it? At first, it was weird. Because I did enjoy being close to Penn State because I knew a lot of people still. I knew under yeah. uh, kids that were younger than me that were still going. I had my professors. So yeah. I, it was it was an easy trip if I needed to make it. But also I was like, wow, I don't really get to see anybody. And all yeah, my new friends yeah. I'm on my own. And you then you think pandemic hits. And then I knew nobody. And it was just I was it, say, what bad timing. So 2019 goes into the winter of 2019-20. And then February, March, here comes COVID. The world shuts down. Exactly. You're, you're a wet behind the ears, new reporter, and now you're living into a, a closed society world. Exactly. Yeah, it was. that's kind of how it was. I, I it, Once again, arriving in Williamsport, where I live now, I didn't know anybody. It's kind of like college, just starting all over again. I, I, know, I didn't know anybody. I had to get to know Nikki and Tom out here. But besides that, I only knew my coworkers by speaking to them on the phone, you know, and... Uh, kind of had to do it all over again in the midst of a pandemic. And that kind of rolled out of that and uh, made some connections, made some friends in the area and uh, went from there. Uh, like you said, we were working out of the mall and the pandemic hit. So I'm working out of my apartment. And today, still to this day, they worked out of my car, out of my apartment. 
And uh, how the world has changed. If there's one good thing that came from the pandemic, it's now remote work for so many people. Why would a business like WNEP spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on a building, right, Mm -hmm. in a mall when we can have our reporters work at home and connect via computer? It's better. It's better for everyone. It's more efficient. uh, I mean, for me, honestly, I work better. Uh, I know a lot of people say they get distracted, but I don't really have many distractions up here. I'm a very simple guy. Um, so yeah. just put the computer in front of me and you've seen me work and go, Joe, I can do a story in 30 minutes if I had to. That's why they picked this guy. He's, uh, he's the, 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 the king of, of, of tap, tap dancing and making things happen. He's the quarterback that you bring in to throw the hail Mary and win the game. So, so, uh, this is interesting. So now you're a Western counties guy. If the, if the, if the, if the option came, I I don't know. What are your aspirations? If they said we need a new nine to five reporter here in music Scranton area, or if they said, Hey, we want to train you to be the next anchor on the six o'clock news or 6am news, whatever. Is that the ultimate goal or where do you see yourself going now? What's the deal? What do you see in the arc? See, I, I, they ask this question a lot, especially when you're doing performance reviews or stuff like that. Um, hey, what do you see yourself in five years? What What is your goal? Um, and where do you want to be? Obviously, I set goals for myself and uh, and move forward like that. But when I set goals for myself, it's not like a, I don't do it on a year-to-year, five-year basis or where I want to be. It's just I set short-term goals. So when I when someone asks me, hey, what's your goal? My goal is to be better at what I'm doing today than I was yesterday. And that's kind of how I set that for myself. And I'm kind of a free flower. In a year from now, I could be somewhere completely different. And uh, that's always, always how, how I've been. Like you see, when I went to college, I uh, just did it kind of on a whim. When I moved here, I kind of just did it on a whim. I don't like planning the future. I like kind of being surprised myself. Oh, I like that attitude. I remember once reading a quote, one should treat each day as a new life. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like, here's the thing. If I set my, if I set a goal to be an anchor at this station and it doesn't happen, then what's the point? If I kind of just go day by day or week by week and set that attitude and see where I work myself up to, it's much more rewarding to me in, in that facet than it is to kind of set those long-term five-year goals. Uh, Cause I don't know, I could be, I could be in, I could be in Europe. Who knows? Who knows? Who you knows? might be. You know what? You might be doing in downtown uh, Snyder County. Uh, let's say Seals Grove. You might be starting a new restaurant. Yeah. Who knows? You know, I can get my dad up here. We can get some cooking going. I might work a food truck. Who knows? Who knows? I don't need. Yes, I did come from a privileged, uh, spoiled background, but I don't need a lot now. Now, as I've gotten older, like I can, I can work with less. To me, is better. Now, there's a special woman in your life, um, girlfriend. Did you meet her up here in college in that area you cover? Where did she come from? Well, um, Kate, like yourself, is a meteorologist grad from Millersville. So, <laughs> See, I was holding back. I was holding back. I couldn't wait to get that out. We love that. Uh, she did four years there at Millersville, and she's actually the meteorologist over at WJAC uh, in the Johnstown Altoona area. And uh, most of us in the news cycle. Oh, by the way, how far is that from? If you guys wanted to meet in between, that's still a long drive. We meet in State College if we wanted to meet in between. 
Oh, is that I, the in between spot? So an yeah, hour or two? It's an hour about from us. Okay. It's State College. So she has to go east an hour. You go up to west an hour. Then you have a Penn State date. Yes, yes, for the most part. And oh, dude, someone is gonna have to make the motion some point in your relationship. This is not relationship therapy. Uh, you, you, you want all you want our talks. You want our you want he's you want gonna, gonna have to come east and work at AccuWeather or some station like WNEP, or you're gonna have to go west. This can't continue, my man. So yes, yeah. let's count each day a new life, but you still yeah, have to. You want okay? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'll give you. I'll give you our. I'll give you our talks. This is our talk. I'm cracking them. I'm cracking them. No, no, no. I'm not using that button. I I will. I I will tell you straight up. So she's a meteorologist over there. She just signed a a three year contract to be the morning meteorologist, and she loves what she does. She went to school to be a meteorologist. It's her favorite thing in the world. It's her passion. The weather is Um, something you can appreciate. For me. I enjoy being a reporter. It's one of my one of my favorite things that I can do. I meet new people every day. My contract runs up in December of this year. Um, I don't know what the future holds, but for her, the weather is her dream, and that is what she loves and takes so much pride in. It would if anybody moved, it would probably be me. Whoa! I'm going to give you the scenario. Then I'm her, and I say. Chris, is this how her voice is, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go with that. She'll love that. Yeah, let's go with that. She's going to go, Chris, I just got an offer from <laughs> Pittsburgh's biggest station, $500,000 a year, 10-year contract. I'm going to take it. I want you to quit your job. We're going to buy a house. We're going to live in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. We're going to have children. I'm going to work and you're not going to work the rest of your life. You're going to be a stay at home dad and a housemaker. And I'm going to make good money. Are you in Chris? Let's do this. You can't have a career. It's going to be me, my good money and our children go. How fast can I sign that dotted line to lock that one oh, in? So you would do you would. Oh so you don't God. need your heartbeat. Are you serious? You know, some, some people, men and women, need a career. They need more than just raising kids, more than just being a wife or a husband. They need more. Will you feel hollowed out if you just do that? Uh, No, (laughs) I I joke with her all the time. Like, hey, you hit it big. Stay at home, dad. Lock me in. I'll do the dishes. I'll cook. I'll, I'll, I'll... She, right now, she makes more money than I do at, at her current job, and I, and I don't. A lot of people, a lot of people would take offense to that in a relationship. And honestly, I don't. I'm happy for her. every single day. I tell her that I'm proud of her. She earned everything she's ever worked for, and she worked a lot of weird hours. Had to work the weekends. Had to fill in, and she went through all that, and she has made it to where she is now. So if she got a contract offer that's even bigger at a bigger station, go for it. Go for it, because that's uh, I'm her biggest fan, her biggest supporter, and I will always root for her and uh, I'll watch her follow her dreams. Because my dreams right now, like I told you, I don't I don't really set five year goal dreams. My dreams kind of are come and go type things, and uh, if that's what her dream is, I would love to follow that because she's my dream, you know. So that's no, I, I think. Oh, listen to this. Yeah. See, you seem like the like an awesome partner, but at the same time, I'm telling you, most human beings. 
They say I need more from life. I need a career. And I, I respect the fact that you're saying, no, this is, and I think that's admirable. What's better than a career than being a good spouse and being a good parent? That's better than any career. No, I, I, I mean, it, it, obviously, if there was something I wanted to pick up and do, I, I would do it. Um, like maybe, I don't know, if whether it's continuing on in news or if it's like PR or if it's anything like that, or if it's a, a hobby that also makes, uh, that brings in Sadell. But if she's making 500000 I'm not really worried about that. <laughs> All right, well, let's say, let's say I'm going to give you another scenario then. Let's say because we're buddies and you did the bike ride with me and you're great at it. Let's say I become some big, hot national celebrity and I'm making millions and millions. And I'm like, Chris, you know what? Will you be my handler? Oh, easily. <laughs> How much am I getting paid? What are you paying me? What am I going to pay you? I'm going to pay you $100,000 a year to be my handler. So you have to send me the fax over the contract right now. You're joking. Send it now. I don't care. I, I've dealt with you for, I babysit you for one week every year. I can do it for a whole year. What would a handler and, and title, I wonder? What would you be? I don't know. What, <laughs> if you want me to scrub your shoes, I'll scrub your shoes. You tell me to jump, I'll say how high. <laughs> You're funny, guys. Well, speaking of, it's you and me again, I've been told. It's not concrete yet, but I'm doing the bike ride, Gojo 26, and I'm told you're going with me, buddy. So could be another uh, bike ride in the area, and we're going to have a good time, make some good money for St. Joe's. What do you say? Year three, uh, I know it's going to be a tough challenge, but I want to beat last year's goal. That's my goal. That's the goal I'm setting for us. We're beating a million dollars. We're going over. We're going over. <laughs> You're so, a good man. I love it. You better bring your A game because I'll have mine. Oh, and the the worst part is that I'm told the whole time you have to wear matching spandex, even though you're not going to be on the bike. So same as me, matching spandex. Now are you still doing it? Lock me in. I'm in. Hey, <laughs> hey, if it raises money, let's do it. I'll wear spandex. I don't care. I'll run around in spandex. You can put me in. You can put me in a tutu. Let's do it. I can't shake this guy. All right, you're my. In this other scenario, you're my handler. You're okay. making a hundred grand a year. But for whatever reason, I don't know how this happened, but you have to change uh, my diaper every day. You still in or no? What'd you have for lunch? <laughs> All right. Enough is enough. You're a good man, Chris. I think we got a good – is there anything we left out of your uh, life arc? This is awesome. And here you are, WNEP. Any chance you'll ever end up back in uh, Georgia with the parents? They want to have a grandkid. No, I think my I think my parents will ultimately move up north back to where they're from. I think wow, that's, isn't that I think that's their so yeah, no, I think uh I think once my sister graduates college, I think they'll try to move back up north. And I think you'll see a lot of my family kind of migrate back up this way. Then finally, you can maybe be a spoiled kid, just tap into your dad and mom's wealth and say, oh, Hey, yeah, for, sure. for sure. Yeah, I can be like, Mom, Dad, can I have that new pair of shoes? I want two hundred dollar Nikes. <laughs> Chris, awesome talking to you. I'll see you this summer on Gojo 26 and uh, tell your girlfriend, the lovely meteorologist, that I said, hi, Millersville University. Her and I, I'm 88 and she's, I don't know, 2018, 17. Joe, you can tell yourself she'll be listening to this. All right. I will. Hello. What's the full name again? Kate, uh, Kate Westerholm. We have to check her out. Search her. Kate Westerholm. That's his future, man. He's going to be uh, just Mr. Mom at home and taking care of kids, cashing her checks. 
I, and and your handler. I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm, I'm there to do it. And uh, Joe, it was an absolute pleasure to be on, and I can't wait for go, Joe. And hi, Kate. I love you. I'm going diaper shopping. Have a good day, brother. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything, Mister Curiosity.